Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the um, divorce process. We'll skip over a whole bunch of stuff in the middle, but we'll come back to, to some of it, too. Uh, uh, there is no such thing in Judaism, of course, as a civil divorce. And uh, the divorce process involves a document that is called get. So in English, G-E-T. In Hebrew, Gimel, Tess. The Vilna Gaon has a very ingenious explanation of why is the document of divorce called a get. So he says, and this is before computer, that the letters Gimel and Tess are the only two letters that never appear together in the Torah, in a word. Every other Aleph-based pair, you can always find two letters together. Gimel and Tess are two letters that are always separated. Therefore, it's the ideal word for that which separates between husband and wife. So what is get? Get, if you looked at a get, a get is a 12-line document that is handwritten on a piece of parchment, the same way a Sefer Torah is written. It's 12 pages, you said? 12 lines. Did I say paper? No, 12 lines. Yeah, Just 12 lines, 12-line documents. It has to be custom-written for each couple. So it takes a software, typically around 45 minutes to write a get. It doesn't take a real long time, but you can't pre-write gets. Gets have to be written specifically for each couple that is getting a divorce. Uh, And the husband then takes the document, physically hands it to his wife in front of a basin, in front of a Jewish rabbinical court, and by the husband giving the get to his wife, she is divorced. Okay, uh, right, so all that is required for a Jewish divorce is the husband gives his wife a document that is handwritten for the occasion that is called get. Now, a get is not a big document, it is only 12 lines. Interestingly enough, though, the biggest complication about a get, the get is the same, you know, the get is a standard text, you know, it doesn't vary from person to person. But the names are different, right? The get will say, I, husband, my whole name, gives to wife her whole name, right? So the biggest problem in writing a get, and this is why the rabbis spend a lot of time on this, is what exactly are your names? Because a get has to include every possible name by which you're known by, whether it's English, Hebrew, Russian, or whatever it is. I mean, it's all written in Hebrew letters. So it'll say, for example, Shoshana, who is known as Susan, who is known as Susie, who is called Sue, uh, the daughter of Avraham, who is called Avi, who is called uh, Abe, etc., uh, gives to his wife, whatever it is. It's on the husband's side, it's on the wife's side. Forever, even the parents. Yeah, yeah, that's great, even the parents. So the okay. base then has to spend a bit of time to be sure that we get all the names that the person is, both the husband, the wife, and their parents uh, are referred to. So that is why it takes a while sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's not a big deal. Uh, And of course, halakhically, how to spell certain uh, non-Hebrew names is not so easy. For example, uh, the Hebrew alphabet, as we pronounce it today, 
does not have certain sounds. We do not have a soft G, George, J. We do not have a TH, Thomas, right? Uh, so, uh, or Keith, Keith, for example, Keith, right? We don't have a TH sound. So let's assume that the husband's name is Keith. So maybe his name is Yerucham, but we have to put in Keith, right? So how do you spell Keith in Hebrew? How do you spell George in Hebrew? So there, you'd be surprised. This is actually a halachic specialty in which we have treatises about how to spell these different sounds because Hebrew does not have the phonemes, if that's how you pronounce it. We don't have these sound units. By the way, that's a good question. Why don't we have it? I mean, some, some have suggested that we've lost certain pronunciations. For example, uh, we don't have a W, uh, right? Uh, right? We, don't, we, we, we write it with a V, v right? But really, uh, sometimes it would be W. Now, the, Yemen, the Yemenites have a much older way of speaking Hebrew. And Yemenites have many sounds in their Hebrew pronunciations that we do not have. They have a th sound, a th sound. They have a j sound. They have two types of gimels. Just like in English, you have a hard g, a g, and you have a soft g, which is a j. So in our Hebrew, we only have a hard g. We have a g, but we don't have a j. But in Taimani, they actually have a j sound and they have a th sound. So they have for I guess they have for tough and suff. So the way we pronounce, we pronounce tough as tuh, and we pronounce suff as suh, like an s, which makes it the same as the samach, right? They pronounce the tough without a without a dot as th, th. So uh, and similarly, uh, gimel, gimel with a dot in it is ga, and gimel without a dot is ja. So for example, berei priagafen. The bracha on wine, if you ever heard a Yemenite say, Bray Priyajafen. That's what I say, Bray Priyajafen. It's a soft G, right? So it's really debatable. I've heard people say that all Jews should learn how to speak Hebrew like Taimonim, because that's the closest Hebrew to what Moshe Rabbeinu spoke, because we've lost all these different pronunciations in the course of time. Other people say that's not a proof because perhaps a lot of Yemenite pronunciation was connected to Arabic, and therefore <coughs> may not be Hebrew, it may actually be Arabic. So we just don't know. A lot of things are mysteries. But you understand that <coughs> in the Hebrew pronunciation that we have, there's quite a lot of problems. <coughs> Two problem, one problem is <coughs> that we don't have pronunciations for certain things. <coughs> I'm sorry. As th and ja. Uh, the other problem is, <coughs> well, thank you, just thanks. The other problem is that we have repetitive sounds. <coughs> For example, what's the difference between ches and chaf? Same pronunciation. What's the difference between sin and saf and samach? <coughs> I mean, you have three letters. Both, all, all three of which are pronounced like S. So there's something wrong. There, there is something wrong here by definition uh, in which originally it must have been the case that every letter of Hebrew had a distinct pronunciation. And in the course of the Gullus, we have lost many things. 
<coughs> so some have said that the Taimani pronunciation <coughs> is the closest that we have to original Hebrew. Did you see yeah. that the soft G was the gimel with a dot? No, gimel without a dot. Without a dot, yeah. Yeah, so, so in Berei Priyad which they pronounce Berei Priyad mm-hmm. there's no dot in, in the gimel. So then the, the sorry, the, 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 with the dot would be Jeff? No, the other way. Uh, the with, other without, way. without a dot is soft. Jeff oh, right, 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 right. With a dot is g- uh, g- like hard. Okay. Right, right. So right. It, it's interesting because Judea, Samaria and Judea. Yeah. Who pronounce Judea? Is that the pronunciation from always? Uh, Judea? Yeah. Well, J, again, J, J is not... Uh, well, no, but the problem is that Judea does not have a gimel. It has a yud in Hebrew. So, so the yud would be Judea. Judea. It would not be the... Oh, so they wouldn't say Judea. <coughs> they would not say Judea because Judea. that doesn't have a gimel. <coughs> no, the, the, J, the J entered from the Greek. The Greeks... Yeah, the Greeks did not have a Y sound. So that became a J. So Yerushalayim becomes Jerusalem. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of J's. becomes Judea. So that's, that's Greek. That's not from Hebrew. Uh, you know, that, they just, every, every Yud becomes, every Y becomes a J sound. Also, in yeah. English, yeah. these key words actually have a sound that are not currently in Hebrew language. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. So that's a big problem. Yeah. So, so, it, so most of the time we, we live our lives, we don't worry about it so much. But in a get, you know, we got to try to reproduce in Hebrew <coughs> the sounds of names that we don't have Hebrew letters for. So Charles, Ch, is another one, Ch. How do you get Ch? So the truth is, <coughs> that we have different rules of letter combinations. You combine a Dalit and a Shin. Dalit, Shin, Zion. Right, you try to combine three letters, and then, then you get it. But it's, uh, it's an issue. So, <coughs> I'm sorry, just I guess. Go ahead, cough here. Can you check if you have a glass of water? Yeah, I have, I have to, thank you. So, uh, it comes up with Gittin, because as I say, every get has to be tailor-made for the couple. And although 11 out of the 12 lines are standard, it's the same lines, but names, we have to get all the names in, and that could sometimes take, uh, take time, in terms of what are you called, and how do you spell it. And, <coughs> and there are big books, you'd be amazed, books like 12, 13 volume books, which are lists of how you spell all the crazy names that people might uh, might have. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry, you want to say? Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. There are any historical documents where we can see gets with, like, different names? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you could. You could see, see, see Gittin. The only problem is that... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know where... You, okay, let me explain something. Let me explain something about a get, and you'll see why there may be a problem. So a man gives a woman a get, okay? She's now divorced. Now, what if she can't stand seeing him again or he can't stand seeing her again? He doesn't want to be in the room and give her a get. She doesn't want to be in the room and get a get from him. So you have to understand that this can all be done through sholiach. Sholiach can mean an emissary. So the man may basically, the man might be in America and the man would make the basin in Yerushalayim a sholiach to deliver the get to the wife. 
or the wife might be in America, and she can make the base in a shaliach to receive the get from the husband. Or you can have it both ways. You can actually have a get ceremony where neither the husband or the, nor the wife are present. One shaliach gives it to another shaliach. Okay, so nobody even has to be there. There's a whole protocol. Everything about get is a very regulated protocol. How do you appoint a shaliach? Can you do it by phone or must there be an in-person thing? Must there be a document? Must there be authentication? We have to be sure that everything is, is carried out properly. Okay, now, but let's imagine for a moment that the woman is present. So the man gives the get to the woman. What then happens? So what's interesting is, technically the get is her property. She could keep it. She could throw it away. She can do whatever she wants with it, although she wouldn't want to throw it away because it's proof that she's religiously divorced. But for various reasons, Bastins don't like women to keep getting, because they're afraid the get might be used again or whatever it would be for another couple with the same name. So the, the universal practice is, after the woman receives the get, and she walks uh, four amos with the get, you know, eight feet with the get, the Bastin takes the get from her, they exit, they mutilate it, they kind of, uh, rip part of it up, they do an X through it, and they keep the get in their records, it's, uh, and they give her a letter, simply a letter, stating on such and such a date, uh, she received a get from her husband in front of this basin, and the basin signs the letter, <clears throat> and the letter is her proof of divorce, but if for whatever reason, uh, a later rabbi or a later basin would want to see the actual get to see if it was kosher. Uh, the get is kept in the files of the basin, but the get is not in the woman's custody. Now, based on this, it would seem that over hundreds and hundreds of years, basins should have repositories of gitten, and they do, but it's not really available to the general public. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't even know myself. I'll, I'll look into it. Like, let's say you'd like to see all the gittin given in Yerushalayim over the past 150 years. In theory, there's maybe past 300 years. In theory, there's no reason why uh, that shouldn't be around. That should be around somewhere in various files. And in fact, uh, this is how Rabbanim often do it. I mean, when Rabbanim had questions as to how to spell certain names, they would go through old gittin and see how earlier rabbis did it. But of course, if those gittin are not indexed, you know, it's going to be pretty hard. If I'm looking for Charlotte and I have 5,000 gets, you know, uh, you know, I don't know which one has Charlotte in it. So it's much easier to use the books of names than to go back and look at the gittin, at the gittin themselves. But yeah, the records, records were kept uh, in the line. Yeah. In the Kairo there wouldn't be anything like that. Oh yeah, there should, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Why would there not be? Uh, well, oh, uh, well, okay. See, the Kairogeniza is so old that we're not sure what their procedures were, meaning, meaning in modern times, and by that I mean the past 300 years, gittin are kept by the Bastins. But in the olden days, uh, the woman kept her get. So when a woman kept her get, uh, she might throw it in the Geniza. So I'm pretty sure, I'll check this to be sure, that the Kairogeniza would have, would have gittin. Because in those days, uh, they didn't, the basin didn't keep the gets necessarily. That was more of a modern, modern practice. Yeah? Um, if the, 
ex-husband needs to prove that he divorce? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, a halachic divorce? Also, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, he gets a letter too. Yeah, they, they, they both get a letter and that's going to be their proof and that's normally going to be uh, sufficient. Again, uh, the base number one wants to be sure the get isn't used again <coughs> and number two, um, they would rather keep the get in a central file than give it to people who might lose it because then uh, they wouldn't have the get as proof. In fact, it's actually generally better for a, a basin to keep these papers than individuals. A conversion is the same thing. Um, you know, if a person undergoes a conversion procedure, they get a certificate from the basin. And that's very important. But it's also extremely important that the basin keep the or original certificate in their records. Because individuals lose things, individuals move, uh, things get destroyed. And uh, it's important to have a central place where we can get conversion records to show that somebody's Jewish. So uh, there is a good point in requiring the originals to be kept by a basin. Of course, sometimes basins mess up. That's, that's another thing. Sometimes they don't keep good records. But you know, the assumption might be that an organized basin might keep better records than uh, individual people. People do. Okay, any, uh, any questions? So, so we'll continue with, uh, with Gitna because there's a lot of complications. I want to talk about prenuptial agreements. I want to talk about Aguna. And Aguna is a woman who does not get a religious divorce from her husband. He refuses to give her a divorce. What can be done for Agunas? And uh, those are some major, major halachic uh, problems. Okay, well, I'll see you uh, next week.